Hey, welcome to More Than Bread, a, a podcast that takes Scripture seriously, a podcast that, that seeks to set the table for you to feast on the Word of God, and a podcast that has a deep conviction that when the Spirit of God breathes life into the people of God through the Word of God, you can get grit for the grind and your soul begins to thrive in even the hardest of journeys. This is episode number 137, and I'm Dan, your host, Bible reader, and spiritual guide for this deep dive into my top 40 psalms. Though this psalm, Psalm 103, um, comes to us also as Drew's favorite, so both one of my top 40 and, and Drew as well. So Drew, thanks for giving us Psalm 103. Psalm 103 is a psalm of praise and thanksgiving that celebrates the unfailing love and mercy of God. It it invites us to saturate our souls in the goodness of God and pause for just a few moments to remember his blessings, all the blessings that he pours out on his people, his family. As I read the psalm, don't miss how the psalmist paints his picture of God, the attributes of God, his compassion and patience and steadfast love, his role as a father who passionately loves his kids his healing power and unfailing love, the benefits of his blessings are off the charts good. So grab your Bible or just open your ears and listen to the words of God in Psalm 103. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. I know I don't often use that one, but this time it has the words that I love from the song. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So here it is. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sins from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it's gone. And its place knows it it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, from generation to generation, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord. O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Now, probably most of us are most familiar with the idea that God blesses us, right? The Psalms are full of the call for God to bless us and reminders of his blessings. Moses told Aaron that the people of God would be characterized by the blessings of God being poured out on them. So what in the world does it mean for us to bless God? 
The, the psalm is full of descriptions of God's blessing for us, but six different times David encourages us to bless God. What does that mean? Well, the word bless comes from the Hebrew word baraka, baraka, and and that word is related to the Hebrew word for knee and the verb to kneel. So when we baraka the Lord, the idea is that we are bowing down, our souls are bowing down, we're taking a knee spiritually to worship God and acknowledge him as the source of a blessed life. In, in Jesus' time, these prayers of blessing God, they happen throughout the day. They would often begin with the words, blessed is here, blessed are you, O God. And, and they would bless God for anything and everything. Blessed are you, O God, for waking me up. Blessed are you, O God, for providing me clothes so I don't have to be naked. Blessed are you, O God, for the food we eat. Blessed are you, O God, for the thunder that reminds us of your power and glory. So blessing God was a way of recognizing God's hand in the everyday center of their lives. It was a reminder that God is God in the good and the hard. And, and you know, when we practice this habit of blessing, of bowing our knees, of bowing our hearts in gratitude, like that verse in Habakkuk from an episode or two ago, we begin to become more and more and more and more aware of the glory of God that covers the whole earth. We begin to see God's presence everywhere and his hand in everything. See, when I practice gratitude, this idea of blessing the Lord, it's like I begin to align my sight, align my mind with God's reality. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is in me, bless his holy name, and forget not all his benefits. I mean, it's amazing that we could ever forget, but we do, right? And that's why we're called to remember. So what are his benefits? He forgives our sins and heals our diseases. Some of us desperately need one or the other, perhaps even both, a healing of heart and body. He redeems our life from the pit, and he crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. When you are at your lowest low, the hole you are in is not so deep that he cannot reach in and pull you out. And, and when he pulls us out, it goes beyond rescue, mere rescue. He redeems. He crowns us with love and mercy. Sometimes God's good news is so good it's hard to believe, right? What are all of his benefits? I, I think if there's one benefit that outweighs them all in Psalm 103, it's this idea of his steadfast love, his unfailing love, his never-ending love. It's all over the place in Psalm 103. Verse 4, he crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. Verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Verse 17, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Steadfast love. You know, this is one of the most frequent descriptions of God in the Old Testament. In verse 8, it says that gracious and God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. This description of the heart of God is all over the place. Jonah uttered the same words when he was disappointed with God's compassionate and gracious response to the city of Nineveh. Moses repeated the same words. And in Psalm 103, verse 8, David expresses joy for the forgiveness of his sins, and he declares, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Let, let me break this description down a bit. The particular Hebrew word used for gracious is is used 13 times in the Old Testament. Every time it's used of God, he is gracious. He's generous to those who do not deserve his blessing. And he's compassionate. The primary Hebrew meaning here is to be soft like the womb, <laughs> nurturing, safe, gentle. It's like the soft compassion that a mother has for her unborn child. 
slow to anger, patient. When God disciplines us, it's never out of anger. He disciplines us because he loves us, and he never stops loving us. He perseveres in his love. He's abounding in love. And and this is the most intense Hebrew word for love, kesed. Kesed. It's, it's best understood as God's unrelenting love, a love that will not give up, a love that is always faithful. It will not quit. It's not an if love or when love. It's unconditional. And as a result, he's quick to relent from judgment because of his steadfast love. This phrase describes another form of God's compassion. It's not only the soft, like a womb compassion, it's the agonizing compassion. God agonizes over our broken decisions, our rebellious running. His, his relenting love comes from, it comes not from a, a I don't care what you do attitude. It arises from hope. You know, usually I think when we hear that phrase heartbroken, we picture a heart that is experiencing some deep level of heart activity like compassion or even depression over love lost. God is heartbroken because God loves with his whole heart. A heart that is faithful and true, a heart that pursues rebellious runners and never gives up. A heart that's always looking for the slightest possibility of hope, eager to relent from judgment, but but never hesitating to discipline with love. I mean, isn't this the kind of love we need? Max Lucado tells the story of his friend Daniel, a big guy from Brazil. He used to make his living lifting weights and, and training others. His scrapbook was filled with pictures and awards, lifting awards, muscle man awards. I mean, Daniel spent his whole life in a gym, sometimes working out, sometimes working. But his dream was to own his own gym. His whole life focused towards that goal. And finally, the bank agreed to finance his gym if he could find someone to co-sign the note. And and his brother agreed. They they filled out all the applications. They waited for the bank's approval. And it was a happy day when the bank called telling him he could come down to pick up his check. From work, he went to the bank. The surprise loan offer asked him why he'd come. So what do you mean? I came to pick up my check. That's funny. Your brother was here earlier, the banker said. He picked up the check and he used it to retire the mortgage on his house. And instantly, a brother became an enemy, right? Daniel stormed over to his brother's house and pounded on the door. His brother opened the door with his daughter in his arms, knowing Daniel wouldn't hit him if he was holding his kid. And he was right. Daniel didn't hit him, but he promised that if he ever saw him again, he'd break his neck. And then he went home. He began to tighten his grip on his rights, his hurts, what was due him. And to be honest, that grip on on nothing was, was taking away his life. A few months later, Daniel met a young missionary, and through him, met Jesus. And and he was touched by the Father heart of God, but he still found it impossible to forgive his brother. The wound was just too deep. His grip on thoughts of revenge seemed too sweet. He didn't see his brother for two years, but they both, both knew that one day it would happen. And it did. One day on a busy avenue, Daniel saw his brother and his fist just began to clench. His his first impulse was to grab him around the throat and choke the life out of him. Daniel walked toward him. His brother turned to run, but Daniel reached out and grabbed his shoulder. But then, listen to Daniel's words. He said, as I looked into his face, my anger began to melt. For as I saw him, I saw the image of my father. And as I saw my father in his face... My enemy once again became my brother. Listen to me. That is a love that I need to know. It's a love that releases. I need to love like that, and I need to be loved like that, and this is how God loves us. 
You know, there's a lot of images, a lot of metaphors in the Bible that are used to describe the love of God. There's the nursing mother metaphor that comes from the Old Testament and the New Testament, an image that honestly is a little bit harder for me to relate to, except that my wife nursed all four of our kids. And and there is just something in the eyes of a nursing mother that expresses an almost incomprehensible depth of love. Then there's the astronomy metaphor in Psalm 103.11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Some of you stargazing, astronomy-loving, physics-type people just perked up. You're mentally getting out your telescopes and calculations 186 miles a second for a year to get a light year multiplied by 63,000 to get to the closest star. And you're thinking, wow, that's some love, as high as the heavens are above the earth. And then there's the father image, Psalm 103, verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And I got to say, few things thrill me more than those moments when I encounter head-on that stirring of father love in my heart. When I get a, I'm not looking for anything from you, no holds barred a hug from one of my kids, or to watch them do something that makes my heart burst with pride. But you know, in so many ways, Psalm 103 points forward to another description of love. In fact, all of the images of God's love point forward to the most full description of love we could ever imagine. We, we catch a hint of it in John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that one would lay down his life for his friends. In the permanent record of his words, God has told us time and time again that he loves us. He has kessed for us, steadfast love, enduring love. He, he's used a variety of illustrations in the hopes that one of those stories would resonate with the deepest chords of your heart. But listen to me, every story, every illustration, every metaphor was simply a preview of the real deal, the cross. The cross changed everything. It redefined love. It set our eyes on the reality and depth of the love of God, courageous, passionate, relentless, steadfast, never-ending, unfailing love. Isn't that a love that you need to know today? The kind of love that will go to bat for you when it costs. The kind of love that won't walk away when it's hard. The kind of love that would even be willing to die for you. The kind of love that forgives. It forgives with a grace so vast And as far as the east is from the west, his love knows no bounds. And so we we bless the Lord. We bless the Lord today. We kneel and surrender. We bow and worship. We remember his benefits. And we bless the Lord with our whole hearts to the very depth of our soul. Before your day is done, take a few moments. Reflect on his benefits. Make a list. Reflect on his love and mercy. Remember those times when he redeemed your life from the pit and he crowned you with goodness. Pause and say thank you for the moments he forgave our secret sins and blew the shame off your heart. Tell him thank you for the ways in which he's loved you like or perhaps even better than you've loved your kids. Make a list, a gratitude list, and join me as we bless the Lord, O my soul. Listen to David's list of benefits one more time as I read from Eugene Peterson's The Message. O my soul, bless God. From head to toe, I'll bless his holy name. O my soul, bless God. Don't forget a single blessing. He forgives your sins, everyone. He heals your diseases, everyone. He redeems you from hell, saves your life. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown. He wraps you in goodness, beauty eternal. He renews your youth. You're always young in his presence. 
God makes everything come out right. He puts victims back on their feet. He showed Moses how he went about his work, opened up his plans to all Israel. God is sheer mercy and grace, not easily angered. He's rich in love. He doesn't endlessly nag and scold nor hold grudges forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve nor pay us back in full for our wrongs. As high as heaven is over the earth, so strong is his love to those who fear him. And as far as sunrise is from sunset, he has separated us from our sins. As parents feel for their children, God feels for those who fear him. He knows us inside and out, keeps in mind that we're made of mud. (laughs) Men and women don't live very long like wildflowers. They spring up and blossom, but a storm snuffs them out just as quickly, leaving nothing to show they were here. God's love, though, that's ever and always. Eternally present to all who fear him, making everything right for them and their children as they follow his covenant ways and remember to do whatever he said. God has set his throne in heaven. He rules over us all. He's the king. So bless God, you angels, ready and able to fly at his bidding, quick to hear and do what he says. Bless God, all you armies of angels, alert to respond to whatever he wills. Bless God, all creatures, wherever you are, everything and everyone made by God. And you, oh my soul, bless God. Let me pray for you. Father God, we bless you. God, I pray all over the place, whoever's listening to the sound of my voice, I pray that you would bring to mind the benefits that you have poured out upon us the blessings you have poured out upon us, and and that we would bless your name, that we would bless you, God, that we we would be grateful. We would say thank you for all that you have done. You have done so much for us, God. And we ask that you would continue to bless us, that we would be a people who are mindful of your benefits. God, thank you that you are a God who forgives our sins and heals our diseases and redeems us from the pit and crowns us with love and mercy. You wrap us in goodness and you renew our youth. God, we thank you for all that you're doing for us. We thank you that all for all that you're doing to us. We're thank, thankful for all that you're doing with us. And we bless you, God. We bless you. We bow our hearts and our souls. We bow our knees before you. And we say, bless the Lord, O my soul. Thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.